Hear now Genesis 2, verses 4 through 9, 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, And there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring every tree that is pleasant to the sight and and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to hear to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So far the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. Over the past few weeks we have learned a lot of very important truths about man in his original condition. We learned that God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge, righteousness and holiness with dominion over the creatures. We have learned that when God had created man he entered into a covenant of life with him upon condition of perfect obedience, forbidding him to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil upon pain of death. We then heard some bad news. Our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God, sin being any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Those are a lot of very important truths. Uh, We need to know them about man's original condition. We need to know what happened with man. They did not remain in that original perfect condition, but fell from it. They fell from it by sinning against God. The question that is before us today is now this. What was the sin whereby our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created? The answer is really very simple. They ate of the forbidden fruit. That is what they did. They sinned against God by eating the forbidden fruit. You heard the story of that read from Genesis 3 just a moment ago. Adam and Eve fell into sin when they ate of the tree of which God said, You shall not eat. They fell into a state of sin and death by eating the forbidden fruit. There are a few questions that come to my mind as I consider this very basic truth. First of all, 
Why was it a sin for Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? In other words, what was wrong with it? We do not typically say that eating fruit is sinful. Why was it a sin for Adam and Eve to do so? And the answer is this, because God clearly and specifically told them not to do so. It is true that the act of eating fruit is not a moral decision. The act itself is neither good nor evil. But it was sin for Adam and Eve to eat of that fruit because God told them not to. And I wonder if you remember this. We call this kind of law positive law. Moral laws are those laws of God that are true and binding upon men and women in all times and all places. So do not murder is a moral law. Murder, properly understood, is always sinful. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not steal. These are all moral laws. They are binding on all people in all times and places. But God has also added other laws too. We call these positive laws. And we call them positive laws because God has added them to the moral law. These are laws that God's creatures are obligated to keep in addition to the moral law. These positive laws are filled with symbolism. These positive laws are associated with the covenants that God has made with man. Remember that we have defined sin in this way. Sin is any lack of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Notice we do not say that sin is any lack of conformity unto or transgression of the moral law of God. That would be a true statement, wouldn't it? Whenever we violate God's moral law, it is sin. So that would be a true statement, but it would be an incomplete statement, for we do not only sin against God when we violate His moral law, no, we also sin against Him when we violate His positive laws too. Are you following with me on this, brothers and sisters? We sin against God when we violate His moral law, but we also sin against Him when we violate His positive laws. That is to say, the laws that He has added to the moral law. For example, God commanded that all of the male children of Abraham be circumcised on the eighth day. Now we know that circumcision is not a moral thing when considered by itself. Does circumcision matter to us? It, it doesn't. It, it's, it's nothing. To be circumcised or remain uncircumcised is not a moral issue for us today. But it was made to be a moral thing for Abraham and all his descendants under the Old Covenant when God added that law to them, you see. For Abraham to fail to circumcise his male children, that was sin. It became a sin for Abraham when God said, circumcise your male children on the eighth day. Other examples of positive laws are the seventh-day Sabbath from creation to the resurrection of Christ, and the first-day Sabbath from the resurrection of Christ until the end of the world. To, to neglect the Sabbath day, the Lord's Day Sabbath for us, is sin. We are to rest and worship on this day in particular because God has said so. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are also positive laws. Uh, those who have faith in Christ are to be baptized. They are to partake of the Lord's Supper because God has added these obligations to us. He has ordained these things for the people of God under the new covenant. These laws were added and they are symbolic in nature. They are laws connected to the new covenant. And so it is with all of God's positive laws. The point is this. We sin when we violate God's moral law. We also sin 
when we violate the positive laws which God has determined to impose upon His people under certain covenants. When Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he broke a positive law. And it is right that we call this sin. A second question comes to mind. Some may wonder, what was so bad about Adam eating from that tree? What was so bad about it, really? How could this simple act of eating a piece of fruit bring about the curse that came upon Adam and upon the whole human race that descended from him? In, in other words, is there more to the story? Uh, was there more to, going on in Adam's heart that led to his eating the forbidden fruit which made his disobedience truly vile? Think about all of the death and destruction that has descended upon the human race because of this one sin. Some may look upon that and go, really? All of this because Adam ate a piece of fruit that God told him not to eat? Well, yes, this was truly a vile sin. This was truly a great evil that Adam committed when he ate of the forbidden tree. And it was truly vile, and we come to understand it when we realize that there was more to the story. Granted, the act of eating a piece of fruit is innocent enough when considered by itself, but we should not forget that God commanded Adam not to eat of that tree. Also consider the narrative of Genesis 3 and the fact that another competing voice also spoke to Adam, the voice of the serpent through Eve. So you can see in this narrative that this was no innocent eating. This was, in fact, an act of rebellion. Adam rebelled against his maker in the heart when he listened to the voice of the serpent instead of the word of God. Do you understand this? This was an act of treason on, on the part of Adam. All sin is like this. The sins themselves might take only a moment. They might seem to be very small. In fact, the thing that motivates all sin is rebellion against God in the heart. We must come to see sin in this way. Uh, sin, all of it, even the sins that we call small sins, are acts of rebellion against God. And they emerge from the heart. You know, there is another aspect to Adam's sin that must also be considered. When Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, he did not only sin a sin of commission, he sinned a sin of omission too. What was Adam's sin of commission? What was the sin that he actively committed? He listened to the voice of the serpent and he ate of the tree that God said, do not eat of it. That was the sin of commission. That was the sin that he committed. And what was the sin of omission? In other words, what was the thing that Adam failed to do? Well, we know that Adam was commanded by God to fill the earth with his offspring. He was told to expand the garden temple. He was commanded to eat of the tree of life after having passed this period of testing. So not only did Adam do what God said, do not do, he also failed to do what God commanded when he rebelled against his maker. He failed, failed to obey God and to fulfill God's commission for him. Thirdly and lastly, this question comes to mind. What difference does all of this make? Why does this matter? Well, it matters because we cannot understand the present condition of mankind apart from this doctrine. Why is the world as it is? Why is mankind as it is? 
Well, we must talk about the fall of Adam into sin. He is our federal head. The whole human race was represented by him. So we must understand his rebellion. Once we understand his rebellion, we might better understand the consequences that fell upon him and all who descended upon him. If we wish to understand humanity, we must understand man in his original condition and also now man in his fallen condition. Also, by understanding what it was that Adam failed to do, we gain a better understanding of what Christ accomplished. Where Adam failed, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, succeeded. And he succeeded not only for himself, but for all who are united to him by faith. Adam disobeyed, but Christ obeyed perfectly. Adam failed, Christ succeeded. Adam forfeited the promise of life eternal, life consummate. Christ has laid a hold of it. And he has laid a hold of it not only for himself, but for all who were given to him by the Father in eternity. All who believe upon him to the salvation of their souls. These doctrines are very important, brothers and sisters. I pray that you understand them. I pray that you cherish them and even live according to them. What was the sin whereby our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created? The sin whereby our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created was their eating of the forbidden fruit. Let us bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, do help us to avoid all sin. Help us to see just how terrible our sin is. How it is in fact an act of rebellion against you, even those sins which we consider to be small. Help us to avoid all sin, but before that do help us to run to Christ and to cling to Him for the forgiveness of sins. Show us our sin, show us our need for a Savior, and help us to cling to Him by faith, to trust in Him all the days of our life. We thank you that in Christ we have been forgiven and we have also been released from bondage. Help us to walk in Christ in a manner that is worthy. Help us to obey your law, your moral law, also the positive laws that you have imposed upon us under the new covenant. May we keep these laws from the heart for our good and the glory of your name and all of God's people say.